Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 91 of the IA Cast. We are well into the 90s now. Very exciting. My name is Michael Doeys, and I'm here with Leah Dudley. Hello. And Jason Earls. Hello. And I just want to say that was a really good decade. I didn't recognize that when I was growing up, but dang. <laughs> the 90s? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. It's only you think because you were born. Yeah, I was I was born in the decade before, but uh, the 90s were awesome. I loved the music. I missed the Magic School Bus. Yeah, and good music. Yeah. So we have quite a few news topics to talk about today. And a very interesting technology topic to talk about after the break. So let's get into the news. So Android P has finally been released, and we know what it's called now. It's Android P. Pi. And interestingly, mm. it is a picture of the Android uh, robot. It's a green little Android. You know, they even make keychains where you could buy those guys. They're really neat. And it's the green. Okay, that's pretty clever. The green Android holding a piece of pie. Well, <laughs> that's really cool that you can buy that as a keychain. I don't think you could buy the, the, the one of it holding the pie, but you can buy the oh, little Android. I used to have one, and the little the metal part broke off of the. They're made of rubber, so it it broke after a while of using it. So, the actual important part of this news announcement is what was included in Android, not necessarily <laughs> the icon. <laughs> but uh, needless to say, Android Pie has a lot of great features and. It kind of sparks the topic of today's discussion. Android Pie is very much like iPhone 10. You can set it up where you could swipe up from the bottom to get to your app switcher, known as the overview. And you could do other gestures like back and different things like that. And so you have less buttons at the bottom of your screen. Uh, there's other features like... Um, in Android P, some notification changes, some more interactive notifications, and other things like that. But I think the biggest thing is the new gestures that are added. So what are y'all's thoughts on this? Well, there's a part of the story that makes me really sad, which is how long it's going to take for a lot of people to even see Android Pie on their devices. Well, if you have a Google stock device... You can get Android P right now. But unfortunately, since a lot of the other manufacturers have to do their own upgrades, you won't see that for a while. I think there's probably some other carriers and other things that will get Pi pretty soon. Uh, I actually tweeted from my personal account this morning when uh, from Android Police when HTC's devices would get Pi. But uh, I'm, I'm going to be curious when others follow suit and what they're going to get. Yeah, me too, because I think that's one of the big things that really gets to me about Android is how long it takes because of all the modifications that have to happen for you to be able to officially receive Android updates. Because, I mean, you know, you can root your phone and you can install third-party ROMs, but a lot of people aren't going to do that because it's kind of scary. And if you mess up, you can potentially... Emphasis on the word potentially break your device. And Aliyah, you were saying earlier to me that you don't think that the S7 will even get it. I doubt it. It seems like the some of the Galaxy devices, they ship with one 
um, iteration and then they get the next and then they're done. You know, they, it's, it's a little depressing, but guys, I didn't get Oreo until just before Android Pie was released. That's crazy. Yeah. Now I think the S7 actually shipped with Marshmallow. Did it? Yes. Oh, well, then it really isn't going to get that pie. <laughs> sounds right. Because a lot of these phones, uh, folks, and, and Google even says this, will support three versions of Android. And that's typically it. Although the, I think the original Pixel started with uh, Nougat. Well, and being a very happy iOS user, I just have to ask, how many operating system versions did the iPhone 5S have? A lot. Isn't it still being supported? Yes, it will get 12. Oh, that's right. It It is getting 12. 12. Yep. So, yeah, I I think that's definitely an advantage for the iPhone. (laughs) But it makes me sad. Like, I'm not saying it because I'm trying to say iOS is better. I mean, I kind of was in a little bit of a snarky way there. But in all seriousness, it just makes me really sad that you can spend like $800 on a new Android phone. And then after three versions or so, if you're lucky, your phone's done. And then you have to risk breaking it in order to install more updates. Not that I'm passionate or anything. Now, the good thing is that the, you know, even though they may not get stable or or new software versions, like, you know, 8.0, 9.0, 10.0, all those, they still send out security updates, which I think is a very good thing for Android users. And a lot of the other things uh, are handled through app updates. So that is one advantage Android does have. So while that's true, I just, I like knowing that when a new version of the operating system is coming out, I can just grab it. That's something I will never not miss if I were to use Android. And I can say that from experience because I used to have an Android phone and then I ended up getting an iPhone 4S, as you guys probably know, because I've said this several times. And then I went back to an Android phone, and it was, it was, at least it was stock, but I knew that, you know, my previous Android phone was not necessarily going to get the updates. It stopped getting updates after Gingerbread. Even though technically, if you rooted it and installed a third-party ROM, you could take it, I think, all the way up to Ice Cream Sandwich. I don't remember. I want to say that's true. So, let's... So, I just, I don't know. Let's quickly go down the Android dessert buffet table <laughs> that's what i'm going to call it for well, now on the android should, dessert buffet table and then we should probably talk to the fail pie next to the about the fail pie that's a little bit close to the android pie so at the beginning is the first named code name version of android was cupcake i don't know what happened to yep. a and b then donut I don't know. eclair eclair frozen yogurt yep. gingerbread Ginger honeycomb bread. Ice cream sandwich. Ice cream ice cream sandwich. Jelly bean. Jelly bean. Kit Kat. Yep. Kit Lollipop. Kat. Marshmallow. Mm-hmm. Nougat. Yep. Oreo pie. Oreo pie. That's Oreo, a concept. That sounds really good. I want some Oreo pie now. <laughs> and this episode is iCast 91, Oreo pie. <laughs> <laughs> so that's all of the dessert names so far for Android. And as I tell everybody else, if Android R is not Reese's, then I will boycott the platform. <laughs> that just that, shows Google? that just shows, you know, 
The only Name way to a man's then. heart is through his stomach. That's all it shows. <laughs> anyway, this is just the first news item, so we've got to move on, folks. Yeah. Well, speaking of pies, uh, mentioning the fail pie article, the, the, the fail pie that I had alluded to earlier, there was an article that I found that was talking about some of the Pixel XL, the 2016 Pixel XL users experiencing charging issues with the android pie update apparently it's it's specific to quick charging interesting um, it, I, I guess the f- the phones aren't aren't quick charging it looks like which hmm. that's kind of bad the article i read mentioned that it was an issue in the beta but it it's interesting that it made it to official release so hopefully google will be able to release an update to fix that pretty quickly yeah Another issue that we have heard about, Jason, if you want to talk about it some more, is some 2018 MacBook Pro speakers are cracking or making crackling noises. Yes. People are speculating that it could be linked to the T2 chip. I don't think we actually know what's causing this issue. Uh, Apparently, it doesn't affect all MacBook Pros. But it sounds very similar to the earlier MacBook Pro crack- speaker crackling issues that we've heard in the past. Um, I don't have a new MacBook Pro, so of course I'm not experiencing the uh, speaker cracking issue, so I can't really comment on it. But it seems to be happening randomly when people are playing back audio, which I'm hoping that it's not resulting in what happened last time. This was an issue where people's speakers, the clicks, the crackles were so loud that people's speakers were actually getting damaged by it. So hopefully Apple will address this. Hopefully the issues will be found out and fixed. And I just feel bad because I mean, the MacBook Pro (laughs) as of late has not really received a lot of good press. Well, let's just be real. It hasn't received a lot of good press in the last two or three years. Well, yeah, I guess it started with the 2016, didn't it? Yeah. It just makes me kind of sad. And I'm not trying to be an apologist and say that it's the media being too harsh, because if the computers are having issues, then by all means report on them. I just, it just is making me very sad. That's all. Yeah. Another piece of news, Samsung this week announced their new flagship phone, the Note 9. This phone is pretty spectacular. It is the first phone to offer up to one terabyte of space. And the S S Pen is now Bluetooth, so it can be used as a remote control for a lot of different apps. So you can do presentations and different things. So Jason, you asked, is it the first phone for one terabyte? Yeah, is it is it well is it one terabyte of built-in storage or is it one terabyte with the assistance of an SD card? Because I seem to remember there was a phone before that supported SD card capacities up to a terabyte in size for well, whoever could afford to buy one. It supports you know as big as an SD can be, but the actual phone already can go up to five hundred twelve gigs. So if it can support a, a one terabyte card, then it can take a one point five terabytes That's so take that insane. apps like facebook that have a lot of cash that f- sits on your device and they probably will that's the sad part it's just a lot of space that's more space than I a know. lot of laptops that is insane but i, I mean think... i'm doing go ahead i mean <laughs> i'm t- 
I feel like my phone with 64 gigabytes has a lot of space just because of what I personally use my phone for. And, you know, my iPad's only 256. I can't even imagine what I would do if I had half a terabyte of space on my phone, even without an SD card. That's craziness. I still haven't looked to see what the price is on this phone, but, oh, I, I can imagine it's expensive. So, yeah, I really think that this phone is really cool. And I kind of hope that we see, I mean, 256 is the biggest the iPhone goes up to, isn't it? Yes, I believe it is. So it's, I think Apple is now under some pressure to try to make their phone, you know, 512 or bigger. But at what point do we say these things are good enough where they are in space? I mean, okay, if you are doing iMovie or other projects, that's great. But I, I think the iPads can go up to 512. But, yeah. you know, I don't know. I don't see the tech industry deciding, okay, we are officially good enough. I always see them striving to make technology better, whether that is for the good of the technology or not. And that's, it, it's just the way I see things. Well, that's a good point. That's a very good point. And, you know, also, I guess the thing to keep in mind with Samsung phones is they have that operation mode called DeX, where you can plug the phone into this device and make it into a computer. And if you have a 1.5 terabyte computer, you could carry in your, you know, back pocket or, well, hopefully you won't, but in your pocket or your backpack, that's pretty powerful, guys, if you don't need a tablet. Yeah, but most people want the screen real estate of the tablet if they're doing anything that space intensive. But also, I think this thing's only like 1.5 inches smaller than an iPad mini. It's pretty huge as a phone. Fablet! Well, it, the note line defined the term phablet. I, I really don't want to hold something like an iPad mini to my face. Right. All right, let's move on to our next topic. And this one I think is pretty cool. Uh, some people less so. Movies Anywhere is now in Windows. I just saw this in my Surface Book uh, store app. And that's pretty neat to be able to get all your music from I or all your movies from iTunes and Google Play and other places into all of those places that you want to watch your movies. The biggest thing, though, is I did not see audio description there in the list. Now, somebody can correct me, but I didn't see it. No. But it is nice to know that that option is there. And we're starting to see a lot of this carry over to the Windows side of the house. So these things, like Movies Anywhere and all this stuff, is uh, really cool to see there. And for our last bit of news, it's very cool to see that we now have an update from the company who took over the assets of Baum in Germany. We now know that there is a rebranding of Baum's uh, Braille display line to Visio Braille which is very similar in pronunciation to iAccessibility's app Visual Braille, interestingly. So it's very interesting that they are starting to ramp up this stuff, and I'm very excited. I hope there will be a U.S. distributor and repair area uh, soon. That will be good. 
makes me think of Vizio smart TVs. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it's really awesome to see that. And we really hope, as somebody that owns a uh, Vario Ultra, I'd like to see this happen. All right. So let me talk to you guys about something that we started, I believe it was this week. Has it been two weeks? I think it's, no. think it's been about a week. week. We, we started a GoFundMe to help iAccessibility get off the ground as a full-fledged LLC. So if you go to GoFundMe and search for Launch iAccessibility, you'll find our campaign. You can also find it from our show notes in this episode. Any contributions you can make will help. We are in the process of going to Libsyn and making some uh, great changes, possibly even a new iacast app for uh, your ability to listen and get push notifications when there's new episodes. So we really hope that you will support us and help us reach our goal uh, to get new equipment, new programs, and so we can bring you better content and offer better services. So we'll have that link in the show notes. Our main topic this week is a little more complicated than our typical discussions, but it's one that needs to be talked about because it is happening and we're seeing it more and more. And a lot of companies are now taking a new look on their user interfaces and their ways of presenting information to users. And so Google kind of is now using iPhones flick up for overview. You know, back uh, back when the iPhone came out, we had like these chess boards or, or poker tables for Game Center. We had, you know, it looked like a notepad for notes. And all that went away from four very crisp, clean interfaces. And that kind of looks more like what Microsoft does. Uh, with Office and now Universal Windows programs, and all these things are kind of converging, and I call I kind of am dubbing this the techvergence. It's where technologies are changing their look to be uniform across platforms, and we're seeing that with, like I said, Google. We're seeing it with, uh, you know, Windows with like the notification centers, uh, the Action Center, I should say, and macOS with its notification center and you know, the Windows tab where it's almost like an app chooser. Do you guys think this is a good thing that we're seeing a kind of a convergence between these, all of these systems, or do y'all think it's a bad thing? I'm not really quite sure how to definitively answer that question. I see advantages and I see disadvantages. I think for an ease of use scenario, it's a good thing, but I also wonder how companies are going to be able to stick out more or rather still if all of the interfaces are going to look relatively the same and if they do find a new way to start differentiating themselves from one another aside from something like their privacy policies or something like that what is it going to be and is it going to be a good thing or is it going to be an annoying thing for us as consumers well I mean, let me let me also put an example out here how it could be a bad thing. You know, when we went from Windows 7 to Windows 8, we went to more of a tablet-based, tablet-first interface and desktop second. 
And I think a lot of users didn't like that approach. And so kind of that unification of tablet and PC was not as welcome as Microsoft probably would have thought. So it's, it's those areas like where do we draw the lines, you know, and where do we have things be unique? And I think there is a balance there that you have to meet to, you know, when you have these interfaces that kind of like the Action Center or the Windows tab where you could pick between different programs, the task view, I think it's called. It's finding the right balance between desktop and mobile for that people could that will that people will like because the mobile look kind of makes it more recognizable as something that people could you know relate to from their phones but yet offering the same pc experience to the seasoned user you know i think this is why mac os has really not wanted to add too much of the mobile side because they're afraid of what happened with windows 8 but you see you know, they're adding iPhone and iPad apps to Mac OS. And so I think what you're seeing is kind of them saying, here is going to be our way of incorporating this stuff cross-platform, but while keeping the same look and feel that people come to expect. And I think that's good, but at the same way, I would love a touchscreen Mac. Also, we're starting to see this between, you know, Android and uh, Chrome is Chromebooks run Android apps. So it's very interesting too, you know, when you start to look at cross-platform, uh, how these things are done. But the thing about the, you know, when we're starting to look at these platforms is they all are working about the same. And even screen readers uh, are very similar, except for, you know, TalkBack does not have the multi-finger gestures the same way that iOS does. But yet, we're starting to see, you know, comparisons between iOS and, and other screen readers uh, for touch gestures. So what do y'all, have y'all tried using, uh, like, Windows, uh, NVDA with Windows or touch, with touch or, or Narrator with touch gestures? I used it very, very briefly at a Microsoft store, and I was not very impressed just because the particular surface I saw was really, really slow. I don't think that actually speaks to the real user experience that somebody would have taking the laptop home with them and getting it out of the box, but I wasn't very impressed. But again, I recognize it was just on that particular machine. And it was only with Narrator. I have not experienced NVDA's touchscreen support at all. So I don't actually, I, while I have a PC, it's not touch capable, unfortunately. And Aliyah, have you worked with any of those? Not yet. I want to, but I haven't done it yet. We'll have to have you sit down with the Surface Book and, and try some of that out. But, you know, it comes back down to, you know, Google and... I just think it's interesting that we're starting to see, you know, some of these gestures go, you know, cross-platform. It would be interesting to see later on if Windows 10, you know, you could do a, a swipe up to desktop or, you know, different things like that. That would be interesting. Or to the taskbar or to start menu. I don't know. But, you know, we're starting to see these things go between interfaces. And do you all feel like that makes it easier for people to relate to, or does that kind of make it more complicated because you're used to be uh, using things a certain way? 
Personally, I think having basic gestures for navigation being uniform across platforms is kind of a good thing because I feel like the reason it's happened is because nobody's been able to come up with a better way to do it yet. That could be wrong, it's just the way I see it. Because the reading gestures of narrator and other things are different than how they are in iOS. You know, take TalkBack, for instance. While it does have basic reading gestures, uh, basic navigation gestures, sorry, like flick right, flick left, double tap, double tap and hold, I think you can split tap and talk back. You guys can correct me on that. No. Um, oh, okay. I thought you could. But it, it, it does have flick right, flick left, double tap, flick up, flick down. And it does have two-finger gestures. They don't perform the same tasks as iOS. So I, I do think basic navigation gestures like that are a good thing. Personally, I don't have anything against these other gestures being different because it allows companies to innovate. It allows companies to be, well, different. Yeah, and, and I think it's great that we're starting to see some uniformity because it allows you know, people to pick up one device and then put it down and pick up yet another device and you keep using it. Now, I think for some seasoned Android users to know that there's not an overview button and potentially not a back button, uh, because I've seen where there's a back gesture or something and I haven't seen much of it. I still see a back button on my phone, but there's talk that that's changed how that works too. So I'm not quite sure exactly how that works. But, you know, Android P now has headings just like iOS for apps, for the screen reader users, uh, for TalkBack and Voice Assistant and all the others. And they have a few other, you know, accessibility things that you can get on iOS. But uh, I, I, I'm very excited that we're starting to see where technology companies aren't worried so much anymore about you're infringing my copyright because you have this swipe up to get to the app switcher or overview because guys overview on android now looks exactly like the app switcher in iphone it really does you it starts on the right and you go to the left and you could flick up on apps to close them or double tap to open them so it's very, very similar. I'm curious how it would work on a tablet if it's like the iPad, but it's very, very similar. Also, other operating systems other than iOS are now doing the picture-in-picture. -picture. In fact, it's interesting because Android phones that are small do picture-in-picture -picture video. So I kind of wish the iPhone would allow for that too, even though the screens are smaller. I think that would still be nice. But... Do you guys have anything y'all want to add or any questions about this topic before we wrap up today? I think there's a bit of a dangerous line that we have to walk here with this kind of thing because some blind people, especially, are upset that certain platforms don't have the same keyboard shortcuts for everything or the same gestures for everything. And it's it's a really fine line to walk between this is beneficial and this is ridiculous. Expectations can be a little skewed when it comes to this topic. You know, we don't, we don't want everything to be identical. That takes out originality. Similarities across platforms is okay, but I think it should be at the choice of the developer and not the demands of, of blind people because it goes back to what we talked about before is adapting to change. 
You know, you've got to be able to adapt to the platform that you're using because the experience isn't the same, even for sighted people across platforms. Well, and while you were talking, Michael, about some of the similarities of Android versus iOS with touchscreens, it made me think that with the basic gestures of flicking right, flicking left, and and double tapping, it's kind of because, you know, as a sighted person, I would imagine that doing basic tasks with Android as far as picking up the phone touching icons to open up applications and swiping down for notifications. All of that's relatively the same across platforms, I assume, right? It's pretty similar. There's still some changes of there. The, like, for example, the one I hate the most is when you type your passcode in on the lock screen, you have to press the OK button or the Enter button or whatever it is to move on instead of iOS where it's just you type your code. So there are some changes between platforms on how things are handled, but they are very similar where a sighted person could just look at it and associate what you're supposed to do, or that might be not as easy if you're a screen reader user. But I think these these gestures being the same, the basic navigation gestures being the same, kind of gives us a sense of having that same basic consistent experience, if that makes sense. I, I hope it does. Yes, it does. Um, the, the, but even then, like Aaliyah said, the big thing that we have to watch out for is screen readers work differently. JAWS and NVDA are totally different, but people have no issues going between them if that's what they want to do. And when you look at a mobile platform, you have to look at what do I like the best? Am I going to be good with change? Am I not? Am I going to, you know... Honestly, if you get any mobile platform, you have to be somewhat comfortable with change. But I do like that there are some similarities, but there are differences. Like, you know, Android, there are still loads of differences from iOS. But I think it's great that we have some things that are starting to work the same. And I think it's great that technology companies are using, you know, okay, this works. This user interface experience works. You know, the hamburger menu, if it's labeled correctly, works. These tab bars work, even if they're at the top of the screen. I like them better at the bottom, but that's how Android does it. You know, there's things about every system that are slightly different, but it's nice when you see certain things that just work really well. I did not like the Android overview because it was just a bunch of apps to uh, above and below each other that you just had to swipe on or do whatever to, to open or get rid of. This is much more organized and works, to me, a lot faster. So, Yeah, and I, I, I do agree that we do have to be careful here with, with things like this. But by the same token, I don't mind having basic navigation gestures being the same because personally, I don't want to have to do, say, a four-finger flick right and flick left to make my screen reader move to the next and previous item on the screen just because it's a different gesture than a single finger flick right and flick left. Like, you know what I mean? Right. And already we do have differences. Like one of the big differences that an iPhone user is going to need to get used to when moving to Android is how TalkBack works with scrolling because uh, it, it, it scrolls the way I imagine a sighted person can scroll the screen. Because when you scroll the screen, you're not scrolling one entire screen, right? You're scrolling the screen a line at a time, correct? If you're doing it visually. Actually, you're scrolling a number of pixels at a time. So 
if I'm uh, using one finger and I'm moving up, then it's moving by the amount of pixels that I've moved my finger. Okay, but you're still you're still not moving one screen at a time. You're oh no! Moving, no, as you said, by pixels. So mm-hmm. you could, if you know, you could if 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 the normal setting screen had like accessibility, battery, CarPlay, uh, Wi-Fi, and sound, and that was the only thing that was visible, and then display and uh, I, I don't even know, Bluetooth, were below it. You could technically scroll the screen so that the only thing visible was display at the, at bottom, the bottom of the list. Yes, yes that's yes. correct. And that's, whereas voiceover users, they just scroll a full screen. Now, that's how TalkBack scrolls. It does not scroll one screen at a time. And personally, I kind of like that versus the way voiceover does it. And I think that's okay. Yeah. You know... TalkBack does it uh, because it's a pass-through. Two fingers are typically a pass-through of whatever you're trying to do. So the nice thing is, is like if you were to scroll, one of the things as a sighted user you can do, you can actually fling your uh, fingers up the screen, like just throw your fingers up the screen, like you put one finger down and then you move it real fast and it kind of flings the screen. So instead of moving a certain percentage or a certain amount, it'll just... Go as fast as it can based on the momentum that you move your finger, which is kind of neat. And you could do that on Android as well. Yeah, and you can do that on iOS, but you have to do the same. You have to do a pass-through as well, which is a single-finger double-tap and hold. And I can't always get that to work reliably unless I'm in a picker item. But again, that's I, I'm glad they're different. I don't want them to be completely the same. I just want basic elements to be the same so that I can pick up a device and not have to do all kinds of crazy gestures just to make my screen reader move from one item to the next. I will say the one thing I wish was the same on Android was the rotor. Actually, I have been thinking a lot about that with Android. There are ways, and I don't know how you could do this with if, if, if this is easily accomplished or not, but I've always envisioned for TalkBack this thing I dubbed the settings strip because I couldn't think of anything else to call it. And what you would do is you would you would drag three fingers up and down the screen. So what you would do, what, what TalkBack would do when you would do that is you would, it, it would tell you, you know, headings, characters, words, links, buttons, all that good stuff. And you could, you could choose what you wanted. And then if you reach the bottom of the screen, you could put your fingers back on the top of the screen or anywhere on the screen and continue scrolling up and down that list. And then you could very quickly find what you wanted if you could drag fast enough and got good enough at the, at the gestures. And then what I would do, just because you can already change pages, I think with a two finger flick left and a two finger flick right is doing a, fi- a three finger flick left would read from the top of the screen and a three finger flick right would read from where you are to the end. And that's the changes I envisioned. And then you could flick up and flick down or maybe left and right to move by the element that you have selected. And then it could either reset and it might either say default or you could adjust how much time it took to reset or set it so that it does it manually. I don't know. I, I, I haven't thought about this completely yet, but it's what I've been thinking of ever since I had my Nexus 4. Yeah. The, the thing is, and I think it's a neat idea, the issue that I'm just saying, I, I just never can remember a lot of those commands. So I like the rotor. Uh, I just wish there was something simpler for Android. But we've got to go ahead and move on and wrap the show up for today. 
But I think it's been a very good discussion, and it'll be interesting to see where technology goes and how it's similar, how it's different, how companies work together, how they don't. You know, it kind of comes back to, as, as you know, the tech versions, as I've been calling it, with all of these companies banding together to work on Braille, USB Braille support. You know, that's awesome. So it's stuff like that that's nice to see in the tech industry that of companies coming together to improve technology instead of suing each other over who did what first. Yeah, it's it's a very nice change. And I just remembered it was called the nav strip. So Google, if you ever decide to do that talk back, can I have recognition? Just kidding. <laughs> All right, folks, do you all have any final comments before we wrap it up? I think I've talked like everybody's ear off, so I'm going to shut up for now. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, that'll do it for this episode. So let's finish this off with uh, our picks and where we can be found online. So Aaliyah, where, what's your pick and where can people find you? My pick for this week is a new game. Uh, yeah, me and the games. I know. Um, I can't quit. It is called Dusk. It is a free game this time, folks, for iOS. And it takes advantage, and you want to do this on your iPhone, folks. Takes advantage of your Taptic Engine and a lot of sensors in your phone to create several fun games. We'll be doing a game cast on this as soon as I figure out how to get a good recording of the Taptic Engine, because you're going to need it. Anyway, uh, if you would like to find me, you can do so by following me on Twitter at BlindCowgirl199 or emailing me at Aaliyah, that's A-L-E-E-H-A, at iAccessibility.net. And as always, you can find me producing content for iAccessibility. All right, Jason, what is your pick for this week, and where can people find you online? My pick is a website, and I know a website, but it's a very fun website. It's called Fighting Fantasy Project. Fighting Fantasy games are available in all different kinds of storylines and genres and things like that, and a lot of them, as I understand it, are from print game books and the way that game books work is typically you'd, you'd have a story and depending on the choice you decided to make you would be told which page to turn to in the story to see what the results were some of your actions are dependent on how many points you have allocated to certain attributes in your character so strength intelligence it all depends on the game and the website has a really really nice description but they are tr the the game books are have been translated into code so that you can play them on the site. And it, it, it works basically on anything. I think I've even played it on, if anybody remembers the Maestro Trekker devices, the ones before the Trekker Breeze, I think I've even played it on that before. <laughs> um, wow. So they're very fun. You can click links. I think the most complicated thing you're going to encounter on the website is when you have pop-up buttons to choose your weapon or in certain games you're going to have a timer to use to to figure out what action you need or a certain number of attempts but other than that the games are pretty straightforward and they're lots of fun and they're free so if that sounds like something you guys are interested in i encourage you guys to check it out so uh with that out of the way people can find me producing content for iaccessibility you can email me at jason at iaccessibility.net you can search for me on Twitter at JDE, that's Juliet Delta Echo 91. You can also search for me on Facebook. Just search for Jason Earls. 
All right. My pick this week is the movie Avengers Infinity War. It came out this week. It was a great movie in theaters. I am excited to watch it on, on uh, iTunes with audio description. I personally have a way of watching movies when in the theaters. I like the natural feel of seeing it without description. And then when I get it home, then I watch it with audio description as a low vision user. I like the movie experience without uh, uh, describer speaking in my ear. And then when I get home, I like to get the experience of the audio describer. So... Uh, it's a good movie. It is the third in the series of four Avengers movies. The, la- the last one of those comes out next year. Very excited to see that one, especially after what happens in Infinity War. But I won't spoil the movie, so check it out. It is audio described in iTunes, and you can get it transferred to all your accounts with movies anywhere. So go sign up for that. It's free. So with that being said... You can find me producing content for iAccessibility. You can follow me on Twitter. Just search for Mike Doeys. On Facebook, you could search for Michael Doeys. And if you want to email me, you can at Mike Doeys. That's M-I-K-E-D-O-I-S-E at iAccessibility.net. And I also have my webpage at MichaelDoeys.com. If you want to find iAccessibility, you can do so at iAccessibility.net, where iAccessibility1 on Twitter you can follow us on Facebook to search for iAccessibility. We have the iAccessibility app for iOS, and we are on YouTube, Tumblr, and all over the web. Just search for iAccessibility. We also have our Patreon page for our premium content. Become a patron at $1 a month for our outtakes or $5 a month for more premium content. So patreon.com slash iacast. And we will be having a lot of other things come up soon. And we may be moving away from Patreon. We're not sure yet, but uh, subscribe there. And you'll once we transfer over, we will give you those links and just uh, we'll tell you how to stop your patron uh, patronage to that site. So uh, we will be hopefully moving in the next month or so. So uh, very excited about that. If you want to leave us feedback, as some of you guys have done, you can by emailing us at feedback at iaccessibility.net. We love all of your comments. So please keep those coming. Or you could use our hashtag of hashtag IACast on Twitter. All right, folks, that's going to do it for this episode of the IACast. We will be back next week with an all-new episode. So thank you guys for joining. Thank you, folks on the stream, for listening, and folks on the Team Talk channel who are muted. We appreciate all your help, podcast editors and producers. We really appreciate you. You know, we want to welcome our new intern, Megan Hargrave, who's doing some editing for us. So welcome to the team. I may have said that before, but I want to say it again just in case. But uh, we welcome all of our interns and all of the people that are helping us out. And we really appreciate everything because, as you all know, our goal is to make success accessible. So, you know, we want to provide opportunities for folks to get some experience so that when you move on to bigger and better things, that we can help you on your path to success. So we want to say a thank you to everybody and uh, we will see you next week. Bye, everyone. Bye, guys. Cut.
copyright 2018 iAccessibility LLC.